You are listening to a message by Travis Scott from our gatherings at Shorebreak. Visit shorebreakchurch.com to get connected with more content. And if you would like to support the gospel being preached in Kona and to thousands online, your tax-deductible donation enables us to further Jesus' mission. Partner with us by giving at shorebreakchurch.com backslash give. Mahalo. Well, hey, Merry Christmas. You guys doing all right? All right. Can you guys hear me? Hello. All right. Hey, um... Why don't you guys turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9 is where we are going to be. And I love like how there's a mosh pit of kids up here. This is awesome. Um, So we're so glad that you guys are here joining us for this Christmas Eve celebration. Uh, Just a family service for a chance for all of us, Keiki and everyone else in between to be joining with us and making much of Jesus And that's what we're doing through this Christmas series for the next couple of weeks. We are uh, rejoicing. We are making much of the King because this time of year is a time of year where we should be rejoicing, where we should be making much of Jesus, making much of our King. And so we are in part two, and we're going to finish up part three. So if you guys are kind of checking this thing out, maybe you don't do the church thing too much, and you're like just jumping in the water, like feeling it. Is this thing, am I cool? Can can I come here again? Yeah, join us next Sunday. We'd love to have you guys out next Sunday. Uh, We have 9 and 11 a.m., so we have two services. Um, Our our 9 is filling up more, believe it or not. Our church is early bird gets the worm, so our 11... There's plenty of seats at the 11, so we'd love to have you guys out. But while you are, hopefully, you've made it to Isaiah, it's in the center of your Bible. We will also have the verses on the screen for you. Let us begin with a word of prayer. Jesus, thank you that you are king. We have come this evening, on this special evening, Christmas Eve, to make much of you. And so as we've opened our Bibles, I pray that you would open our hearts and let us have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying as we look at you coming down, you becoming real to us. So God, bless this time in your word. In Jesus' name, we all pray and say amen, amen, amen. Well, Christmas... The original idea of Christmas, when we kind of took this pagan holiday and then took it, Martin Luther began to add a lights to the Christmas tree and we put a star on top and we kind of redeemed it, was all about making much of Jesus. But that's quickly changed, hasn't it? Especially you look today, you, um, you go up to any public place and it's very rare to see Merry Christmas. We've taken Christ out of Christmas We've decided to make much of man. We've commercialized this holiday so much that that we kind of forget that it's about Jesus. Um, We, our kids recently, we have this manger set that we bought from uh, Amazon and it, it came in just in time for Christmas. And before long, we lost Jesus. We lost baby Jesus. And baby Jesus has gone missing. And we told the kids, you can't open your presents until you find baby Jesus. But they still haven't found it, so we're going to have to cut them some slack. But that's just the way that it goes. We missed Christ in this season of Christmas. And did you know that Christmas in the Latin is Christmas? 
more of Christ. Mas meaning more and Christ, Christo. So this time of year, this Christmas season, we should be celebrating more of Christ. But instead, we're racking up our credit card debt. We're, we're making sure uh, that when we get gifts for someone, that in case they don't like it, because it's all about uh, making sure everyone's happy, we give them a gift receipt. Now, of course, it's okay if the size doesn't fit. But we, we kind of do all these things to make sure everyone is happy because Christmas is about us. And so we've made much of man this holiday season. But did you know we aren't the first to make much of ourselves? 700 years ago, there was another people who instead of making much of God, were making much of themselves. And then we're talking about the nation of Israel. These are our people chosen by God, God's people who are loved, and they left their love. They turned away, they turned astray, and no longer were they following and rejoicing in God, but they were making much of themselves. So, there is a man named Isaiah, called by God as a mouthpiece, as a prophet, to rise to the occasion And to speak truth, to speak on behalf of God to the people of Israel and say, hey, listen, you can't think that you can just go do your own thing without having any consequences. You can't go do whatever you want and just expect everything to be fine. And so Isaiah was said, hey, guys, judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. War is going to happen, and God is going to judge them through the Assyrians. And so what the Assyrians did, they came down from the north, and they invaded Israel, and they took them captive. And God judged these people through the Assyrians. And this would happen. It did happen. And Isaiah said, it's, it's a bad thing, but a new day is coming. God's not finished with you. A time is coming when I once again will restore you back to myself and God would be gracious to them even though they don't deserve it. And from Isaiah, God would do something. The world, not just Israel, but the world had never seen before. Isaiah said, listen, Someone, God isn't just going to be ruling over you, but God is going to come down and he will be with you. God will, Emmanuel, God with us. And that's unheard of. God coming down to his creation. God becoming with us. Emmanuel would be one who restores and brought people back to God. And so that is where we pick it up in Isaiah 9 where people were in complete rebellion against God. Kids, have you ever done anything your parents told you not to and you just did it anyways? You guys ever do anything bad? All right. So they were, that's called rebellion. The word for that is rebellion. And so that is exactly what these people were doing. It's not new. You think, all right, I'm going to lie. I'm going to take something my parents didn't tell me. You think, I've never, no one's ever done this before. Not true. Israel's got you beaten. 700 years ago, they were disobeying God, who was their father. They weren't doing what he said. They were in rebellion against God. And Isaiah chapter 8 verse 20, to get the backstory, we read this. To the teaching and to the testimony, if they were not to speak according to this word, it's because they have no dawn. 
They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. So Israel has ignored, completely ignored God. They're not doing what God said. They've ignored God, just like when we ignore our parents. Israel has ignored God. And Israel is a chosen people. But they would rather live for themselves, make much of themselves, instead of live for God's glory. And how often are you and I like Israel? How often do we live for our own glory out to make much of ourselves instead of living for God? And when we live for ourselves, we get distracted. In verse 22, I want you guys to see this. Verse 22, chapter 8. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish. Darkness has overtaken their hearts. And Proverbs 14, 4, 19 says that the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. So have you ever tried walking around in the dark? Ever? Like how does that work out for you? Not too good. In fact, some of you kids, you don't like the dark. And so what do you have? You have a nightlight. Now, some of you got a really cool nightlight that like shines up on the ceiling and spins around. Others of you kids, you have like glow-in-the-dark stars. Some of you are old school. You just turn on the bathroom fan and just, you know, burn through electricity that way. But the idea is we don't like the dark. We are afraid of the dark. And a couple of months ago, when the, when the power went out on Ali'i Drive on a Sunday morning service, like the power went down in the building. It was pitch black in here. And a lot of people, they're, 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 like their, their breath escaped them. They're like, wait, what just happened? Because we, we don't like the dark. And the Bible says here in Isaiah that when we look to the earth, we are moving into darkness. And we don't see the darkness. We don't know the darkness. But when we look to the earth, we are moving into a place of darkness. And when we look in darkness, we are not happy. We are not satisfied. Our needs are not met. Because in the darkness, we can't see. In the darkness, we need the lights to be turned on to shatter the darkness. And so now going to Isaiah uh, chapter 9, starting in verse 1. It's not over. God's not done with them yet. Yes, there's bad news in Isaiah 8, but there's good news coming. There will be no more gloom for who, who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in later time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Then the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. So Israel was living in the dark. They needed the lights to be turned on. And there was nothing they could do on their own. And when we live in the darkness, the Bible says we live in anguish. 
We live in sin. We are trying to satisfy ourselves, but we can't see. And the thing about being in the dark is you don't know where to go when it's dark. Have you ever noticed that when you've visited someone's house in the daytime, you like know where their house is, but then when the night comes and you're going to go visit them at night, you, you're like, I actually don't know where to go. I, I, I've lost my way. And, and when darkness comes, we lose our way. We don't know where to go. We have cannot see. And Isaiah 4, or Isaiah 9, 4 says this. To elaborate more, that the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. It's not a For every boot of the trampling warrior and battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. So yes, God was taking them. Yes, God was pulling them away and judging them through the Assyrians and blood would be shed and, and it wasn't beautiful and it was, it, was, it was gruesome and these people would be taken captive. However, every battle scar, every wicked thing that happened to them, everything that hurt them that was sin against them, even though they've rebelled against God, what Satan meant for evil, God would take that and use it for good. And he says, listen, it's just kindling for the fire. Israel, God is not done with you. And just like some of us this evening, we have been burned, we have rebelled against God, and in rebellion against God, we have fought battles that have hurt us, we have we've sinned, we have committed and sins that have been done against us, and God's like, no, 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 I'm not done with you yet. That will all be kindling for the fire. It will be burned up one day. And who will burn it up? Jesus. Jesus will burn it up. A Savior will change everything because verse 2 tells us we have seen a great light. Light is coming. Jesus himself said in John eight twelve that I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. When Christ comes, our lives are illuminated. When Jesus shows up, though we were once in darkness, we can now see and a way has been made clear for us. So if you're living in darkness and if you don't know where to go, not just not physically, but spiritual, emotional entrapment and darkness, you can be liberated and set free. And the only way for that is through Christ, who is our light. Before, when we are in darkness, we are in trouble and anguish. But when light comes, guys, darkness cannot hide. Darkness cannot comprehend the light. Trouble cannot win, and anguish will not last forever. See, when Emmanuel comes, all of the hurt in life will be then turned into hope. All of our sin and all of our remorse and all of our sorrow will become rejoicing. Our mourning will turn into dancing when Jesus shows up and invades our life. We need the light of life. And our sadness is overwhelmed by joy. See, for Israel, they were sad. Can you imagine being taken away from your home? Can you imagine being pulled away from, from your family and from your friends and from those that you love and being pulled away? You need light. You need hope. And Christ is that light. So verse 3 we read, 
Isaiah 9. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divided the spoil. So what you're reading about here is this idea of God will multiply his promises. You guys remember Father Abraham? You guys know the Father Abraham, right? Had many sons and many. Okay, thank you, because I didn't. I, you don't want me to continue on. I will not. You guys will never come back if I kept singing ever again. Father Abraham had many sons. And did you know that God had promised Abraham that his descendants would be more numerous than the sand on the seashore? And don't use Kona for that example, all right? Use all the sand on all the seashores of all the islands. And his descendants would be more numerous than that. And so this idea when, when Isaiah says that you have multiplied the nations, you have increased joy, that with the harvest they will be glad and they will divide the spoil. What that's saying, what that's saying is this. That God's promises were yes for Israel, but when Jesus comes, his promise will be for all People, that all people can come to a place of joy. All people can have Advent come, Jesus arrive, Christmas for everyone. In Jesus, sin is powerless. In Jesus' death upon the cross, though, we have life. Now, even when Isaiah is saying this, you guys got to see this. this is so important. God is coming and speaking to his people in the midst of their darkness. Sometimes we think, all right, God, I need you to speak to me. So I'm going to go in my prayer corner. I'm going to put on the right clothes. I'm going to say all the right things. And then you'll speak to me. And then you'll show up to me. But God often will come to us and speak to us his truth in the midst of our darkness, in the midst of our sin, and light will shine even in the middle of our sin. And and Christ will give us the light. And the Bible says that the light is the life of men. Israel was still in darkness, still in rebellion. And Israel will then go on to be not just under the Assyrians anymore, but when Christ came, Israel was under the captivity of the Romans. So when God decides to say, hey, for unto us a son is born, unto us a child is given, what what does that mean? How how is God going to announce that? Is he going to go to all the rich people? Is he going to go all to the perfect kids, the kids who perfectly listen in class, the kids who get straight A's all the way? Is he, going to, is he going to go to the religious people? No, when he comes to announce this light, his son coming, he goes to shepherds. They're like the ghetto people, right? I mean, they, no one likes shepherds. They're outcasts. Uh, they had no friends. Shepherds only had with shepherds. They couldn't worship in the temple. And God goes to them. And the shepherds followed the star and it led them to the light of life and they worshiped God and they rejoiced. And like Isaiah 3 says, their joy was increased and God was glorified. Hear me out. When you have an encounter with God, you're never the same. 
When you meet Jesus, your life is never the same. And so for some of you who, who, who you remember, man, before I met Jesus, I was doing this. And then I came to Christ and everything was different. When God showed his grace and lavished his light upon me, man, life came to me that I never had before. And the life is the light of men. And in that, we find our joy in him. And it's been said before, and we'll say it again. That when we glorify God in our life, we have joy. That God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. God wants you to have joy. God wants you to have peace. And maybe kids, hey, maybe even some of you kids, you're like, you're in the midst of rebellion. Some of you parents... You're in the midst of rebellion, and you're telling your kids, yeah, go to church, and we send them to private school, or we just send, you know, VBS, you go do your thing, and I hope your life gets cleaned up, and I'm, I'm going to let you do the church thing, but I'm going to live my own life. But we, we all live in rebellion, and we all need the light of life. And we read in Isaiah 9, verse 6, a verse that we all know well. Some of you probably put it on your Christmas cards says this, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Do you know what your name means? Anyone knows what your name, kids, do any of you guys know what your name means? Your parents could tell you. Every name has a meaning behind it. Every name has purpose behind why it's given. And did you know that Jesus here, on top of his regular name, has four names added to him? So Jesus is a wonderful counselor. Jesus is a mighty God. He is an everlasting father. And he is a prince of peace. So in this Christmas time, as you guys are going to be going home and kids, you're going to open up gifts and you're going to be excited and and you're going to be trying to find your pleasure in all of these things. Know this, know this, know this. Joy is only found in Jesus. You know when you're, uh, I remember growing up when I'd watch Nickelodeon and and, you know, kids, you'd, you'd watch the kids who were, like, running around the, 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 like, Toys R Us and they were able to throw all these toys. They could get all the toys they could in this cart or in several carts in like five minutes. And I just thought when I was a kid, if I could just have that opportunity, then I would be happy. Then I would be joyful. And then we get older and like, that's so stupid. But then we're like, well, if I could just get the house, if I could just close the deal, if I could just get married, or if I could just find somebody, if I just wasn't married, whatever it is, (laughs) then I will arrive in happiness. Listen. You will never have peace apart from Jesus Christ. He is the king of it. He is the prince of it. There is no other source you can have peace. There is no other place you will receive peace because he is a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and he is the prince of peace. And so, listen, you guys are going to go. The kids are going crazy, and we're going to wrap it up right now. But here's the thing. In this season. Know this. The presence 
your happiness, all of these things, you will not find joy and peace in anything apart from Jesus. There is nothing and no one who can fill your heart like Christ. He is a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Let's pray. God, thank you that we've been able to open up your word and study your scriptures. Jesus, you are king. And even as Isaiah made much of you, God, we want to make much of you this evening. For you are a good God. You are a glorious and wonderful God. We want to rejoice that you have made a way for us. And God, the best gift of Christmas is salvation through you. And for those of us in here who have turned to another for salvation, we've lived in darkness and we have not seen the light and the life of Christ. Holy Spirit, would you illuminate in this Christmas season that you are the greatest gift we could ever have. So Jesus, thank you for this time that we've had in your word. God, we love you so much. And even now, as we move into a time of rejoicing, God, some of us might be going through some hard things. Some of us might be missing our families. Some of us might be frustrated because we've thought that if we bought that or we we earned this or we got the promotion that we'd be satisfied. Let us find our soul satisfaction in you and in you alone. So God, thank you for this time. We've had to worship and glorify you. We all pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, it was fun studying the word. We're going to close in three songs here. It's going to be a Jesus party. Kids, you can go crazy. You can mosh it out up up here. And, and just remember, guys, that this time of year is a time for giving. And so um, in a moment, we're actually going to collect a tithe and offering. And so if, if you want to, uh, if this is your home church and you just want to bless what God is doing, um, if you want to bless the church rather and thank God for what he's doing in a moment, you can all give cheerfully. But again, um, you know, let, let us just enjoy the season as a church. Let us make much of him and let us remember that he is the Prince of Peace and that when we rejoice in him, we are find our joy in him and he is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. We hope that Jesus is doing a work in your life from the message that you just heard. We would love to hear how you were impacted and what was impressed on your heart. Share your story by emailing connect at shorebreakchurch.com. And if you don't know Jesus as God, Lord and Savior, or you have more questions, send us an email to info at shorebreakchurch.com so we can get you dialed in with a free Bible and resources for your new relationship with Jesus.